Hello, it is Sunday, May 9th. I am Trent Ryan Smith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Just going to today is just going to be the um, UFC Vegas 26 wrap up and little couple things after after I discuss a handful of the fights that went on and whatnot during the event. Uh, start at the top of this one. Uh, Marina Rodriguez and Michelle Watterson was a good fight. It went kind of as I expected. I expected, I thought that Watterson would use her wrestling more than she did when she did get the one takedown. Uh, she she held Rodriguez on the mat with little to no problem, kept her there, and that was not a surprise. Was a surprise that she only landed one of five takedowns. I thought she would have been more aggressive with that, knowing what we know about Rodriguez's net. Her ground game off her back is very, very limited, very, very basic. She basically does nothing but try and avoid damage, which is what she did for almost four minutes that she spent on the ground with Watterson. I thought that Watterson had a chance after the fourth round, heading into the fifth. I thought if she landed another takedown, uh, she could have maybe got a draw, but she just didn't get the takedown. Um, I thought that at flyweight, Rodriguez was going to have more strength than she would have at strawweight. Um, we knew she was bigger. We knew she had a uh, height and reach going in already. We knew that um, Watterson is an, was, was an atomweight champion, so she was at a pretty significant um, deficit. Yet she did well. Um, so Watterson showed toughness and grit. She didn't quit. Uh, she got hit hard a bunch of times. She got she got hurt, but she was in there for the whole fight. Had she landed more takedowns, uh, I think she would have been in there even more and maybe would have gotten the win. So she just couldn't get those takedowns. And I that's kind of a testament to Rodriguez improving on her takedown defense. She She had an 80% takedown defense in this fight however once the takedowns were completed that one takedown was completed she had nothing so uh, someone can string together a bunch of chain takedowns and someone's a real good wrestler that person's going to give Rodriguez fits and Daniel Cormier said after the fight that Rodriguez was um you know was a breakout performance but I didn't see that I saw it as another performance kind of the same as her last performance. If she's on the feet, fantastic. If she's on the mat, uh, below average. So the improvement has really got to be made if she's going to face an, a wrestler, um, a high-caliber wrestler. So I don't know if there's a lot of those in, in, uh, in the strawweight division, but when and if there is one, Rodriguez is going to struggle. Rodriguez and... Joanna Jurjacek will be a good fight, I think, because I don't think that's going to be one that would go to the mat. However, I, I don't know who I favor. I'd have to watch a little bit more tape on both of them and see recent fights where the former champ is. Um, if she's still at the top of her game and striking, then maybe she gives Rodriguez a real run for her money. Uh, Alex Morano and Donald Cerrone. Morano 
considering he took this fight on extremely short notice, looked good. I think he was a little overextending himself early in the in the knowledge that Cerrone starts slowly. So I think he attempted to take advantage of that. Cerrone started a little quicker than he usually does. He seemed a little more into the fight uh, from the get-go, but still a little behind, and he just had nothing for for Murano. Uh, good win for for Murano is on coming in on short notice. Will probably get him a step up in competition, and it should. So, good 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 decision to take that fight uh, on short notice and a good performance. Uh, Neil Magny, Neil Magny, Jeff Neal. Uh, he's just he's just that guy that won't go away. Uh, this was a kind of a fight, I think, that was booked to see who was going to stay on the upward trajectory and who was going to be relegated to uh, gatekeeper status, at least for a short period of time. Jeff Neal is now going to be probably that gatekeeper kind of guy. Not a terrible position to be in. Also, not one that you can't escape from with a couple good wins. Now, Neil Magny has never been a guy the UFC has pushed. He's kind of forced himself into the picture every time that he's done so. He did so again last night with his grinding style and his cardio. And he's just good everywhere. Not great at any one particular thing but better than average at everything. And so you have to kind of be great at one thing and force the fight to that to that skill set if you're going to beat Neil Magny. Jeff Neal tried it with his striking. Magny countered that with his clinch work, his wrestling, and his cardio. And when you only have one thing and Magny has four or five things, well, you see what happened with, with Magny. He won the fight. I like Neil Magny. Uh, I think he gets overlooked a lot of the time because he's not flashy. He just goes out there and wins a lot more than he loses. But he's he's going to be a guy kind of like a, um, a, a Leon Edwards who's gonna, who, who doesn't shine the spotlight on himself, just wins. But he's going to have to be that guy that strings together a ton of wins before the UFC is going to acknowledge him as a real contender or a real challenger because we know what the UFC likes. And that's not guys that just go out and win and do so quietly without a bunch of hype and a lot of without building themselves up a bunch. So Magny's got his work cut out for him, but he's still in the picture. Neil takes a step back, but again, I don't think Jeff Neal's out of the picture. I think he gets back in the picture with a couple more wins and totally possible for, for, for Jeff Neal. Gregor Gillespie um, had a rough, rough, rough round against Carlos Diego Fiera in the first round. I thought the first round was weird because of how much Fiera lo- uh, came in overweight. I kind of got the feeling with the pace that the first round was fought that uh, Fierre may had not really tried to cut that weight to get down to to uh, the lightweight limit. I still don't know if if that's the case. He's missed weight a bunch of times, struggled on the scale a bunch of times. So I don't know how dedicated he is to making that weight. But 
His cardio definitely failed him in the second round. Gillespie stayed uh, at, at a high, high level, and that allowed Gillespie to get the win. Uh, very, very good performance from Gregor Gillespie. Uh, last time we saw him, he was got starched by Kevin Lee. Fantastic bounce back win. Fantastic uh, performance by him, and he's back in the picture now. Now he has to stay active, um, and hopefully he does so, and hopefully he gets a matchup with an opponent who is ranked above him so he can uh, get back in the picture. Uh, he's a fantastic wrestler, and I think he has a pretty good future if he can just stay healthy, stay active, and the UFC doesn't work against him because he's a quote-unquote wrestler. Phil Hawes, if you recall, Phil Hawes a couple years ago was being touted as the next uh, John Jones because he was training at Jackson Wink, training along with, alongside Jones, and, well, we're, uh, we're lazy. So the easy comparison when you have a young fighter that looks like he's going to be a stud in the same gym, you're going to compare him to the stud in the gym, and John Jones was that man, and so Phil Hawes got uh, lumped in as the quote-unquote next John Jones. Turned out that wasn't the case. Probably a little bit, well, probably a lot too much, a lot of pressure on Hawes to live up to that kind of hype, and he failed to make the UFC on his first uh, attempt in the Contender Series. He made it on the second, and now he's on a pretty nice win streak here in the UFC, and every fight he's looked better. He looked really, really good on on Saturday. His cardio held up. His striking was good. Uh, Phil Hawes is is now I think really on the way up, and uh, he's going to be someone to keep an eye on. I think his confidence is where it needs to be. I think he just needed to put that whole John Jones comparison behind him. Focus on just getting better, making incremental improvements for each fight. And he's done so, and he's on a decent winning streak, and he's definitely someone you should keep an eye on now. Um, probably undersized for the weight division, but has a lot of power, uh, and I don't know how high he, his trajectory is. I don't know how high he'll go, but for now, he's on the way up. He's looked better every fight, and that's that's all you can ask for for a prospect. Uh, just keep improving, keep working on small things, keep getting better at everything and Phil Hawes has done that so good for him good for him um some things that disappointed me uh, Jun Young Park when he walked into the octagon clearly had something going on in his chest now I'm not gonna say I know what it was but it looked like staff and I and it didn't get brought up once by the uh, UFC commentators. We know when other people had had this uh, kind of something suspicious on their bodies during a fight, it has been called out. I think Kevin Lee got, uh, it was called out on Kevin Lee, and then there was kind of a low-key investigation, and I, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, the he got checked out, and it was okayed because of, you know, the antibiotics, where the infection was at that time, and he had been looked at. But that got brought up during the broadcast. I don't remember who brought it up, but I remember it being a, a topic of conversation. So you had three guys on uh, on Saturday, and not one of them 
two of them, uh, former UFC champions, brought up the fact that what looked like staph infection on uh, Park's chest. It, and that's a reminder of who these announcers work for. They don't work for ESPN. They work for the UFC. And so if the message spoken or unspoken is don't mention certain things during the broadcast, well, that message is is as good as gold. These guys will not mention it, and they didn't. It's a failure on their part uh, to not at least mention the fact, and I didn't like that one bit. I wasn't shocked, but it was, again, a reminder that you're not going to get unbiased commentary from these folks. You're going to get what they've been told and what they know to talk about and not talk about during the broadcasts. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. And it doesn't sit well with me. It shouldn't sit well with anybody because it's biased. It's, it's, it's you know, it's biased and it's state-run television. You're not going to get a lot of pushback. You're not going to get a lot of negative opinions. You're just going to get what the UFC wants thrown out there. And that's not how things should be run. But we know that is how the UFC has wanted to do business, and that's one reason the UFC controls its own production, so it can deliver its own message. And if you're if you're not delivering that message, well, you're easily replaced in these in these times. Um, what else did I see that I didn't like? I think I think that was it. Uh, the Amanda Hibas positive test. I always have these kind of weird feelings about what goes on in the UFC bubble, which I still don't believe that there's a bubble because we know that uh, folks can come in and out, including the president, Dana White. So it's not a real bubble. It's not really a bubble at all, but the UFC will refer to it as that because it makes it sound good. So I'm always kind of a little suspicious when someone makes it all the way to fight night without testing positive, and then all of a sudden they test positive for COVID-19. Um, doesn't sit well with me. It sounds and looks suspicious. And to me, it looks like that uh, you were kind of hoping that a, a negative test would come through before the fight took took place so you could slide the fighter into the card and keep that fighter on the card. But if it's now, I'll commend the folks for actually keeping the person off the card because technically, I mean, they don't really have to unless the NSAC is involved at that time. Uh, and I think from what I understand is that once weigh-ins take place, that's when the NSC protocol kicks in. So there's a lot of questions that need to be asked about this, this, this flow of, uh, the COVID-19 testing and when someone tests positive inside the bubble and why we're not seeing it until the fight night. And it could be 100% legit be just because of the timing. It could be. So I'm not saying that anyone's doing anything nefarious, but I am saying that when you hide behind uh, the, the fact that you don't have to or you don't want to deliver this information to the media or to the other fighters or the fans, it looks suspicious. The best thing to do in these cases is to be completely transparent. The UFC has never been even close to transparent. It likes to play its cards very close to the chest, and 
that just doesn't look good. It looks suspicious all the time. And I don't know why they do it because you could get rid of a lot of suspicions and a lot of negativity if you just were honest. It's not asking that much and it's not really hard to do. People will forgive a lot of things if you're straight if you're a straight shooter. But for some reason the UFC just can't or won't do that and it, it's frustrating. Um, Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone said that he, and this is his quote after he lost to Murano, who he's and Cerrone is now 0-5 with one no contest in his last six fights. And I think this was to Brett Akimoto. There's no way I'd end like this. I couldn't let my legacy end like this. So yeah, better call the boss and say, hey man, I know it's been a rough couple years, but when it's time, let me bow out right. That's not how the UFC works. If you're a big name fighter and you're getting a big paycheck, and you're on the downward slide, the UFC has no need for you. Well, they do. The need for you becomes, I'm going to feed you to someone younger, hungrier, and on the way up so we can show a highlight reel of you getting starched for this younger fighter who is on the way up. And there's no happy endings in the UFC unless the fighter creates those happy endings. And even then, the UFC will do everything it can to make you look and and look bad to the fans. Two recent examples. Habib Nurmagomedov wanted to retire after his win. Dana White strung this whole thing along and made it look like he was talking to Nurmagomedov and Nurmagomedov was actually going to come back. That was never going to be the case. George St. Pierre, when he wanted the time off uh, after he beat Johnny Hendricks, whether you think he won or not, um, he wanted time off. Dana White freaked out at the press conference after that fight and said that St. Pierre owed the UFC and the fans something, which, no, that's not the case either. The UFC doesn't want anyone controlling its own their own destiny. They want to control that person's destiny. And so the UFC wants these fighters to fight how they want, when they want, and who they want. So if the UFC can send you out on a loss and create a highlight reel of that loss, it is going to do so. Examples, Chuck Liddell, BJ Penn, Ronda Rousey. No happy endings in the UFC unless a fighter creates them themselves. And Donald Cerrone is past that time where he is going to create a happy ending for himself. He's, he's 0-5, and, and if he calls the UFC and says he wants a easy fight to bow out on with the amount of money he makes, that is not going to happen. Cerrone thinks that all the favors, quote-unquote favors, he's done for the UFC in the past are going to pay off. They are not. The UFC treats fighters like parts, disposable parts. When one wears out, Donald Cerrone, another one comes in, thrown in that spot, and it costs less to throw that in that spot and Cerrone gets thrown on the scrap pile and the person that replaced him works their way up probably off the highlight reel stoppage of Donald Cerrone it's just the way it is that's how the UFC works the UFC is not a fighter's friend Dana White is not a fighter's friend he'll pretend he'll be but when it comes time those calls are going to go unanswered you're going to get booked against someone who's probably going to beat you up pretty bad. 
and you're going to retire how the UFC wants you to retire. Will Cerrone get another fight? I don't know. Will he get a fight he wants? I'd say it's 95% against that because he's been around too long. His name is too big. And they are going to want someone to make a make a statement off of that name so that person that's still in the UFC can move on up and continue to go higher and continue to show a highlight reel, hopefully a highlight reel stoppage of Donald Cerrone. So again, I don't think Cerrone's going to get that happy ending. And he's not going to get a gold watch. And he's not going to get a job with the UFC. And... He's not going to get any favors from Dana White. It's just not going to happen, especially, especially under this new ownership group. Definitely not going to happen. And uh, that's all I have for the UFC Vegas 26 wrap-up. And I'll be back tomorrow. I have a lot of things I have logged and want to speak about, and we'll start hitting those tomorrow. And until then, everyone, stay safe.